The Mets went Hollywood swinging, taking two or three from the Angels to finish with a five and five West Coast trip. We'll take it, Figgy. We'll discuss the series. Noah sitting out. Boo. The series ahead with the Brewers, a Figgy fable from my days in Milwaukee. And will we see Francisco Alvarez in the big leagues this season? Plus, we play another edition of Stump the Baldy. No mascot questions this time. <laughs> Lots to do next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. That ball is hammered. And tailing away and over the wall. That's a home run. J.D. Davis gets into his second of the season. Oh. Alonzo to left. That's hammered. That's up. That is gone. One, two. There it is. Awfully impressive performance from Edwin Diaz. He strikes out the side in the ninth. Ooh. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher, Nelson Figueroa. Those highlights you heard courtesy of ESPN. Figgy, the Mets win two out of three against the Angels. They go five and five on the West Coast trip. It's really all you can ask for. You were hoping for 500 or better and stay in a fort atop the NL East and a five and a half game lead over the surging Braves, who are now seven games over 500. They've won 11 in a row and they're five and a half back. Wow, this sounds uh, like deja vu, like late July and that week that was until that led to our live podcast that really sunk the season down the toilet. But Figgy will have no guest today, but we'll hear a story from you on your days in Milwaukee, and we'll also play Stump the Baldy, where our producer Andrew Hartz tries to stump me with Mets-themed trivia. But Figgy, a solid weekend overall for this team, and 5-5 five and five without your top two starters, I think you're going to sign up for any day of the week. Yeah, without a doubt. You wanted to go out there. Just There was going to be a barometer check on where you stood against that National League West. You saw the Padres. There was some good things, some bad things. You saw Pete get hit. You saw Marte get injured. A lot of things happen where you're sitting there holding your head going, oh, no, here it comes, Not the again. beginning of the end. But thankfully, we already have Pete back in the lineup and hit an absolute missile in that last inning last night. Marte is saying he um, is feeling fine uh, from the – the effects of the quadricep injury. Uh, you, this team is, again, they're resilient. They're resilient enough. Uh, they're good enough. Uh, they're deep enough to continue to to battle. But it is a scary sight when you look back and you see over the last 11 games, and it always gets measured in 10-game increments, right? So the last 10 games, and it says 10-0, and 0, and the Braves are just clicking on all cylinders. It's a scary sight because you've seen it happen last year, and they just rode right past them and never looked back. But this is a different team. So uh, as long as they can stay afloat and stay ahead of them, I think, and then head-to-head, they can knock them back down a few pegs, uh, especially once the Mets get to full strength. Yeah, and I don't think any of us thought that this was going to be the Mets coasting new division title. Like, when this team was on top and continues to be on top as them and the Yankees are the only teams with 40 wins in the big leagues. The two best records belong in New York, and it's a beautiful sight. But we know the Braves were going to be in the picture. And listen, the Phillies are back in the picture. The Phillies are in the wild card race. They're 500. The Joe Girardi firing clearly inspired them. Mm -hmm. And don't even count out the Marlins yet who are coming to City Field for four. There'll be a 1 p.m. game next Monday. We'll have the show after the game. Stay tuned. Maybe a live podcast, but stay tuned for that. 
But Figgy, I mean, they're in the wild card race, so that's a big series ahead. This Brewers team is struggling. We'll get into that in a little bit. But they're still, you know, right outside first place in the NL Central. They're right there. So this is a big week for the Mets. A big little seven-game homestand here. But it was great to see them beat the Angels, and especially how it was finished off. Edwin Diaz. And we were talking before the show, and you said <laughs> this wasn't the nastiest Edwin Diaz stuff. You look at the stats, though. He struck out four of the five. Buck used him for five outs and not just for two. Mm-hmm. It starts with striking out Mike Trout, who was mic'd up. And it was the Mike Trout slobber fest on Sunday <laughs> on ESPN, it felt like. And listen, when you're that good, you get it. It's Mike Trout. He's, he's a stud. He's handsome. He's a great hitter. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of love for the Angels and Mike Trout. The Mets shut him up there. Diaz, I know you're saying he wasn't his greatest. He was throwing 100. I think that was the fastest fastball he had all year, 102. His slider at times was, yes, it was a little wild. But love to see these five-out saves. And now Buck seems to be comfortable using his dominant closer for more than an inning. And they're going to need it because the rest of the bullpen has been a little shaky. Edwin Diaz, if he can go two outs and you could take him into October, into the eighth and ninth inning, that makes this Mets team a lot more dangerous. Yeah, you know, he is still one of the best closers in baseball. But yesterday was alarming just to see how off he was with his slider. It was either really nasty and in the dirt, the one that uh, Rendon swung at, was nowhere near the plate and it was in automatic swing mode. He was swinging at anything close to the plate. After that, he uh, winds up walking him, just could not get it to turn to the left like it's supposed to. It kept staying behind it. It was floating up in the strike zone. And he was frustrated by it. You could see that. So while he saw the same thing that we did, four out of five strikeouts, and it looks great on paper, and even if you go to you know SNY, it says you know dominant, That that's not what you saw out of Diaz yesterday, if you could see inside the lines of, of what he saw. And he did not have a good feel for that. His fastball was electric. And as a guy who can throw just a fastball at 102 miles an hour and with that action, and it's about unpredictability. Even though it wasn't a good slider, still was kept him off balance. It did its job, but it was not the nasty wipeout slider that he can throw. How did you describe his fastball? What was the word you said? Oh, uh, something elastic. Electric. Oh, yeah. Voltaic, some would say. Yes. So he. Voltaic. So that's one of the things that you look for, Diaz, going five outs which is not something he can't do it's it, it's just you know when is it time to use him they had an off day today absolutely is the time to use him i'd say listen to the fat guy i think he was electric i no. think everything about it, he was just great no I'd I'd say, don't listen to the pitcher he doesn't know anything mm-hmm. listen to the guy who just ate chick-fil-a who will give you the great burger debate in a little bit after the mets had in and out burger after the game and listen that's that's this choice on the west coast we don't do that in the east well we don't have it so that's we can't exactly do it. We why it. you don't do but it. we don't do it because you just answered your own questions out what a there. debate all right let's just what debate, debate now let's just get right into you it you legitimately then. just you know <laughs> debated the opposite side of the case, and now you already know what's coming. You, you want it, you'll get it. Burger talk on Amazing But True. This is what everyone signed up for. Shake Shack is better than in and out. out of your I'm mind. sorry. Out First of off, the mind. secret menu, you can't throw me off like that. How does anyone that's not from there know that there's this secret items? You had to Google in advance or ask inside source. You got to ask the John Heyman of burgers about the secret menu option. Second off, too much. Like the animal style is overbearing to me wow. on the fries and the burger. I just think it's a little too much slop on there, and there needs to be a little bit less slop. I just feel like the quality of the Shake Shack burger, I think their fries, the crinkle cut, 
And also Smashburger. I actually like Smashburger better than all, but I realize not everyone's had Smashburger. So the people who want to judge it without having it, you could be sent on a rocket ship to the moon, um, along with Noah Syndergaard, who we'll get into in a minute. But Figgy, I'm Smashburger, Shake Shack, then in and out I do think in and out is better than five guys. I will give them that. Five guys is the most overrated burger establishment in modern civilization. Next to Burger King, which is just trash. It's called but Burger King for a reason, bro. It's called Burger Sucks. That's what it's <laughs> called. Renaming it. But are you team in and out or team Shake Shack? Or are you going to surprise me and say you're team Smashburger? Nope. As a man who has traveled all over this beautiful country. You know your burgers. In and out. In and, really? In, in and out by far. You know what? I uh, Jack in the box is the greatest thing to a, a hangover prevention method of a burger at 2 o'clock in the morning is Jack in the box. But if you're going for a quality burger and you're going somewhere, anybody that used to come out from the East Coast, that's the first place I'd take them was in and out Hearts, I already know. I believe you're a team in and out more, but you are a fellow New Yorker as well. Not, has not traveled as much as Figgy, but are you in and out or, or uh, Shake Shack? I'm in and out animal style. Now, if you're saying just like straight off the menu, give me a burger, I'm Shake Shack. In and out's got to be animal style. The animal style fries, animal style burger. The fact that when you first had In and Out Burger, I was appalled that you trashed In and Out and yet you didn't get it animal style. It wasn't on the menu. You lost I didn't all know that. Credibility t- at that point. You got James Bond secret agent menu. If what is you know, this? You know, you exactly. know. So okay, so OG burger, you say Shake Shack. OG, straight up Shake Shack. Smash Burger shouldn't even, we shouldn't even be discussing Shake Shack. Ah, you smash don't know. You got to try the Smash fr- The Smash Fries are glorious. Overpriced. They have like a little barbecue action overpriced. going on now. No, overpriced is five guys in the, in Manhattan is off the charts overpriced. Nah. Uh, okay, so you're dumb and say, <laughs> Hearts agrees <laughs> what, with me what, that the OG Burger. Okay, OG Burger, no animal style. You're just comparing burger to burger. You're still choosing it no, out. I'm still choosing it out. That is criminal. That is I'm just, still choosing and you're out. from Brooklyn. That's you're, okay. Your parents would not be proud with that <laughs> answer. I'm choosing that. I mean, listen, in and out wasn't bad, and I get it because it's cheap. It definitely is affordable. Like, you know, if you're on a budget, go to in and out I talk but, about a budget. Why don't we do just some uh, murder burgers over at uh, White Castle? Uh, <laughs> now you want to talk about a late night. I mean, if this podcast is sponsored by Charmin, then yes. That's <laughs> that's what you do. You don't have White Castle yeah. sober. That's, Probiotic burgers. <laughs> <laughs> See, I do like White Castle as the uh, ring ring dings, uh, chicken, chicken rings. rings. Yeah, I got entomins on my mind now. Um, I got coffee cakes on my mind, but like they have other options. They also have a lot of options. I like that you know Shake Shack and Smashburger both have some more things you can get. You can get tater tots. You can get chicken fingers. You know, you're pretty limited in an out burger. I will say they did have pink lemonade. And mm. as a big pink lemonade enthusiast, I did support that. Noah Syndergaard probably isn't a pink lemonade enthusiast. Oh, he's definitely Because he's a little enthusiast. baby back, you know what. Extra rest. There happens to be something about the timing of this rest Awful. that makes me wonder, Awful. Figgy. Awful. There's no way. There's no way. All of a sudden, he's a little tender. He's a little sore. Could Chicken use tender. an extra day. No shot. You think that. it was? It's time because they're playing the Mets. You yeah. think he backed out because he didn't Absolutely. want? He didn't want the Mets lineup to scold, scold him, scold Absolutely. him with Marte and Alonso back in there. 
Absolutely. When you have a, a, a team that is ready to pounce on you and you can get away with not having to deal with it, that's exactly what they did. The Angels were going to protect them from the beginning. That's what they talked about, right? Extra rest, a six-man rotation, pitch counts. They couldn't wait one uh, week innings, to do this? Innings, innings limits, all those great, wonderful things. You know what they were doing. They want to protect his psyche as well. No need to let him go out there and get his brains beat in by his former team. And then the onslaught of Mets Twitter on top of him as well so instead everybody just gets to call him names and you know sticks and stones and he can hopefully get over it by the time he pitches again but he missed out if he was the Noah Syndergaard that said meet me 60 feet six inches he would have showed up yeah he might he was 60 feet six inches from the field I think he was just chilling in the dugout it is bizarre and it is a pretty much a Baby move by Syndergaard. You're right. Baby, if he's a that's man- the word you wanted to go with? Or the PG broadcast here, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll refrain from saying more, but... You know, this timing is so suspect. Yeah, and definitely it, sus. It's it's sus. And Syndergaard, uh, you know, I'd say we see you in October, but we won't. So the Angels don't seem to be on a path to the playoffs, and this clearly was timed right. And, you know, you know, a big guy he didn't want to face is Pete Alonzo. And Pete Alonzo, another piss missile on Sunday that helped oh, you Edwin could say Diaz. I mean, that, that, piss missile is PG. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone pisses, and oh my and missile is just What's missile. Up? I got two from the Adam Sandler movie. I watched uh, Hustle, very good, yeah. emotional, and he called him uh, the Cruise Missile. His name was um, uh, Bo Cruise. I, I was going to figure Cruise might have been his name. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Man, so that's where sneak nothing by this guy. Huh? That's why I had the word missile in my mind and piss. I yeah. piss every sounds, hour of the sounds, day. Sounds great. Let's go over why you have piss missile on your mind. Yeah, uh, Mr. Alonzo, who is MVP. Fa- uh, I've been having like a be. stroke the past week, well, but uh, in the National League, yeah, in the National League, yes, of course. And you know, of course, Judge is doing what he's doing on the other side. So New York is very well represented on both sides when it comes to power hitters and and uh, doing uh, monstrous things with the bat. And speaking of New York, MLB just released their power rankings. New York Yankees are number one. New York Mets are number two. Two weeks in a Back row. Back in the New York groove. Do, 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 two do. weeks in a row where the Mets are and Yankees are top the power rankings, and rightfully so. The two teams that are first to 40 wins in each league. As you can see, um, the Yankees' offense is – they just don't stop. They don't let up. They're they're clicking on all cylinders with every single bite, including Carpenter, who came out of nowhere. Yeah, speaking of piss We were missiles. laughing, saying, oh, Goodness. look at him with his mustache. He looks ridiculous. And six home runs in his first 10 games, never been done by a Yankee before. It just goes to show Picked you. Picked up all the scrap heap, too. It, yeah, it just goes to show you. This is what the Yankees do. This is who the Yankees are. I would have taken him. Oh, everybody would have taken him now, all right? That's the, Hindsight's this is why, 20 That's why the Yankees are, are good at what they do. Uh, but the, going back to the Mets and where they're at, Guys aren't being lost for a long period of time and, you know, getting a few days here and there doesn't hurt. But you're looking for this starting staff to get some help and get some, you know, regular help when you get DeGrom back, hopefully end of the month, early July. And you Sometime get, July, Scherzer. Yeah, too. Scherzer too in July. So it, it, it'll be a, a huge movement for the pitching staff in general because then you can start bumping guys down to the bullpen and those guys like, you know, Shreve who've been struggling, guys that have been used too much. Joelis Rodriguez have been used too much. You know, those aren't, those aren't the names you want to see, mm-hmm. you know, consistently out there, you know. But, you know, they've been doing a job that is very difficult because uh, each and every time they have to be called upon whether the game is up by 
by five or down by five, you know, you're going to save your, you know, back end guys for it's three or less to try and you know get a save in the game. So we'll see a lot of changes here coming shortly. Yeah, it doesn't help that the starters haven't been great. Thank God Taiwan Walker. I mean, 10 Ks too. He is not a high strikeout guy. That was by far his season high at Ks of the year. Brought his ERA down to 3.08. He's had to be good because Chris Bassett, since he got that uh, finally the contract done, you would think that would be, you know, a, a chip off his shoulder, a weight, a monkey off his back. It seems like the monkeys, you know, speaking of monkeys, they'll just love the angels, the rally monkey, bring that back. Uh, I'm telling you, he needs to take his meds. Where's, where's David show. Eckstein when you How need him? Was it not, David Eckstein? That was the guy. I right? want, as soon as he walks through the door next time, hand him his meds. I haven't Thanks. even had coffee today either. I've only had my Diet Coke. Um, but <laughs> See, look, he just went on another tangent. <laughs> it's related. <laughs> um, but for real, though, like the, the pitching is struggles. Yes. And, you know, some of it could be, and something we'll get into here, as, you know, Alonzo, as I was saying before, the MVP candidate, Goldschmidt, Machado, Betts, Harper, the other guys, all hitting better average-wise, but no one's in Alonzo's stratosphere when it comes to RBIs, Mm -hmm. and he's also top in homers. So looking forward to seeing that race. Maybe Judge and Alonzo win, and we get a Subway Series, World Series. And it's a New York party. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a street, uh, a walk down the canyon of heroes uh, this fall. But, you know, when we talk about starting pitching, catching plays a part. And since McKernan has gone down with the injury, the starting pitching has sucked. So, and you could speak to this as a pitcher, and we kind of spoke about this, how the third catcher makes a difference, and Mazeka, as Carl Ravage called him, and Thomas Nito, he called him on Sunday. My God, I've had enough of the ESPN I think, broadcast. I think he does it on purpose. It, it's he literally like, does someone tell him how to pronounce a name? He has to. It's embarrassing. It's yeah. like, get it right. It's Tomas, clearly. I, Mazeka, I get it. Third stringer, a little bit tougher, but there is an accent, and it's T-O-M-S. They actually A-S, get the phonetical T-H. spellings right there in front So of he's them. just messing up on yes, purpose. Yes, I'm telling you. He's just you. disrespecting the catchers, <laughs> but that there's something to that figure where McCann is the defensive guy, and yes, he struggles offensively, and we'll talk about in a minute how they're all struggling uh, at the plate, but that's got to play a factor to these starters pitching worse. Yeah, you know, it, it, Mazika has filled in nicely, but you have to know that they have a good rapport with McCann, and they, they are comfortable pitching to him. They don't worry about his at-bats. They don't worry about what he's doing with the bat. They All they know is that he knows what fingers to put down, how he prepares as a catcher each and every day. And Tomas Nito, when you're a backup catcher and you're a guy who's a catch-and-throw guy who can throw people out and, and also call a good game, it's the same thing. And when catchers start to struggle offensively and then they start to put in a little extra work on their offense and there's extra pressure, now on Nito because he's got to be the one who's playing every day and carrying the load offensively. And let's just face it, it's not a position that they're getting a lot of offense out of. So they have to really tighten up on being the best game callers, the best backstops, no pass balls, no wild pitches, being able to hone their craft and and throw out base runners and be a little bit aggressive with maybe some back picks and just, you know, keep other things as simple as possible where these pitchers have that confidence in you each and every time out because when you're throwing to a guy like Mazika and he doesn't know these guys very well he's having to work with them there's tendencies there's ways you like to pitch depending what count you like to throw in if you like to pitch backwards and throw you know breaking balls and fastball counts all that stuff is tough to do on the fly but the more that these guys are around each other they'll be able to figure it out but McCann's definitely surely missed when it comes to just his catching ability the question is how long will they be around because there is a guy in the minor league and it rhymes with Tranfisco Balvarez. Um, his name is Francisco Alvarez. Sorry, I, 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 that is literally the toughest name to rhyme. And I'm a free, I'm a freestyle rapper, and I can't even do that. I mean, come on now. Thirteen homers, thirty-three RBIs in Double A Binghamton Figgy in fifty games. I get it. He's twenty years old. He had his first year in Single A last year. 
You could argue they're rushing him. He hasn't even been in AAA. The Mets catchers in AAA are really are doing nothing. So maybe he gets to AAA sometime in the next month. But 13 homers, 33 RBIs, 50 games. Mets catchers combined have two homers, 22 RBIs, and 62 games. I'm not saying it's a quick fix, but it could be worth a try to call him up. I know it's a little soon, but if he's crushing minor league pitchers and hitting home runs at the rate he is, why not see what he's got in the big leagues this season? Because you need to determine, do we need to make a trade for a catcher for the short term? Do we make a trade for Contreras from the Cubs? Or do we just give this kid a shot? Because it's not the most pressing need. Nito, listen, he's still hitting 240, which isn't terrible. But it's worth considering, and I would love, and you know, John Heyman reporting the Mets are not ruling out. John Heyman of the New York Post and the show, the baseball podcast on Tuesdays that me and Hearts produce. Alvarez should be here, I think, this year if he keeps going. Yeah, at some point I think he will be here. A September call-up for sure because you're going to have that guy sitting there on the bench learning his craft so that it makes the transition to the big leagues a little bit easier. He'll be catching bullpens and getting comfortable with guys when they're working on you know, on the side and so that that's when you want him but you want him to put up his numbers, get all the experiences, go through slumps. You know, it's great when everything's going great right now, right? Game's easy when you're hitting 13 home runs and 33 RBIs in 50 games. The game's easy. Uh, then all of a sudden when you struggle, how does he bounce back? You don't want to learn that the hard way. Look at Jared uh, Kelnick. They jumped up, up to the big leagues and want to see what he can do. And all you keep seeing is him, not only his average plummet, but his self-confidence has been plummeting nonstop. And it's like, at what point do you say, hey, he needs to go back down for some more seasoning just so he can figure out how to get back to that good, positive feeling. Remember, hitting is the most negative, most negative thing in all of sports. It's the only thing that you can do two and a half times now. It used to be three out of 10 and you were an all-star. Now two and a half times out of 10 and you're an all-star if you're successful. Uh, there's no other sport that you can be successful two and a half times out of 10 and be considered anything. Maybe looking for another job, quite frankly. If you shot free throws at a two and a half times out of 10 clip, you'd be looking for another job. You're not a very good basketball player. So I'm saying is that his hitting is going well. Now's not the time to rush him per se, but I do look for him to be a, a part of this team in September, especially if they continue to play well enough that they are not necessarily running away with it, but if they have a comfortable lead, you can let him learn on the fly, and then next year, you make those tougher decisions of, you know, bringing back McCann, trading McCann, or whatever else may be needed. So you think maybe send him to AAA, what, in the next few weeks, the way he's tearing up, he's 275 with mm-hmm. a 348 OBP um, in 50 games, so second half, and then September, call him up and get him a few games at least, get him some experience, listen, if he hits like he has been, just I'm just drooling at the thought of him <laughs> in the nine hole. Yeah. And then you bring up Brandon Immo. I mean, the Mets could be an unstoppable force if he comes up and contributes. So you're against the the whole let's go get a catcher. You say ride these guys, try Alvarez, and go with what you got. Work on other things mm-hmm. like getting reliever and maybe a starter versus uh, that. Listen, if you can get Contreras if you can get Contreras for cheap. Sure. Mm. I mean, if you're not... Teams like the Yankees are going to be the market for him, too. Yeah, if you're not giving up a lot for him, then absolutely. I mean, the the guy's a stud. Don't get me wrong. But then are you just using him for a rental? You're going to try and keep him? Then what does that do to Alvarez again? Alvarez's value. So I I think this is the first time in a long time that the Mets have had a catcher of this caliber with the power bat and be able to do all the other things. So I, I think you're you're trying to do this the right way. It's very similar to when Pete was tearing it up in, in double A AA and triple A and everybody's like, why aren't they calling him up? Why aren't they calling him up? Well, you know why? Because he's already had over 500 at bats. Now you bring him to the big leagues where he's facing big league caliber talent. And it's not necessarily like the guys throw harder or the guys, you know, have nastier sliders. It's that they're more consistent and they're more consistent at exposing, you know, holes and we- finding weaknesses in hitters. You don't want that hitter exposed 
I can tell you right now, Aaron Judge, his first year in the big leagues, remember what he batted? Something, it was 176, 173, he has it on his phone. He keeps it on his phone. So it always reminds him of that first time he came up to the big leagues, how he was overmatched because he tried to do too much. He tried to, you know, do what he was doing in the minor leagues and he wasn't able to do that. And he had to really, you know, self-assess himself in the offseason to figure out, you know, what kind of hitter he wanted to be. And when you're in Yankee Stadium, hey, be late on a fastball and you can still hit it 305 feet and get a home run. So he made the adjustments. With a kid like Alvarez and just like with Pete Alonso, yeah, you want to see them. Everybody's clamoring to do it, but it's not a necessity. It's not something where you need to rush him in the process unless you're ready to call him up and leave him there for the next 10 years. With Pete, I was one of the first people to say, I think it's a, a good move by the Mets to say, you know what, let's not do it right now. We don't want your confidence going into the offseason being, oh my God, I struggled at the big league level. Instead, he went to the offseason saying, I busted my ass. I earned player of the year for the Mets. And they probably told him it's your job to lose next year. You know, even though Dom Smith was already there, Pete was just going to be a difference maker right from the beginning. And Brody being who Brody was as an agent sold him that idea and he was fine with it. Jake Brown with co-host Chris Woodward in studio talking about these uh, short right field home runs at Yankee Stadium. That's Nelson Figueroa getting the itch to pitch as he is gripping a ball right now in studio, preparing his changeup. I do one day want to have, maybe next week or in coming weeks, you to give me a grip demonstration of every pitch and seeing if I could get the angles. Maybe when I go to Staten Island, we'll give oh, it yeah, a try. I, we'll want, I, I want this video so you, we can see you I think we're going to do it next week. During the week, I'm, I'm thinking Wednesday, because Thursday the 23rd is Doc Gooden Day, and you can't really do a Doc Gooden Day. That's his day. There's going to be a lot going on. Maybe the day before, me and Hearts are talking about Wednesday the 22nd, which is my brother Robert's birthday, actually. So maybe we will do it that day and figure it out. Well, the Mets have 100 games left. And speaking of the minors, let's give a quick shout-out to Khalil Lee. Mm -hmm. First career homer on the opposite field on Saturday in a blowout. But listen, it's still a home run, and it still counts. Shout-out Lonely Island. Uh, To Crom Scherzer on the men. Get this guy his meds. The Mets have 100 games left. Only three will start past 740. Thank you, God. God, you won't have to stay up anymore. One against the Astros at 810, one against the Cubs at 805, one in September against the Oakland A's at 940 p.m. Otherwise, smooth sailing. 740 and earlier, baby. You know, all the all the old people complain about staying up late. No more staying up late. Unless there's a rain delay, of course. The Mets face the Brewers this week, who are two and ten, Figgy, in the last 12 games. A guy we wanted hater just Dominating. 18 mm-hmm. saves, 0.96 ERA, two runs in 18 and two thirds, six hits, six walks. I mean, this guy is pitching at a lights out rate for a Brewers team that is struggling, yet still is just a half game out of first place in what's going to be a tough NL Central. They're right behind the Cardinals despite their struggles of late. This is a tough series, and we'll get Bassett, Peterson, and McGill, McGill, who pitched pretty well in his return Friday, not long, but he was okay, giving up a couple of runs. The Brewers, tough series, and then the Marlins should be a fun homestand. Yeah, you're looking at the Brewers to try and you know turn things around. They're they're not in panic mode either. This is kind of like the Braves, how they were. You know, we kept saying, "Oh, the Mets have a nine and a half game lead." You know, smooth sailing, and then bang. Rattle off 11 in a row. We've seen this Brewers team, you know, led by Craig Council, rattle off big win streaks in the past and be able to, you know, turn things around. So not worried about them. They have a very talented team. Um, and the hater is, that, of course, that crowning jewel um, between him and Williams. Uh, you know, you got fire and ice over there with the way that they pitch. They're, they're just so good at the back end of that bullpen. They're tough to score on. Um, they're tough to really, you know, change the momentum of a game that when it gets to the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Yeah, I I think that pipe dream of getting hater from the Brewers is long gone as with the expanded playoffs 
Um, every team still has a shot, and so you're not going to get rid of a piece that big unless it's a monumental haul. And by monumental, you're talking about having to either lose Alvarez or having to lose someone like, I wouldn't even say it, but, I mean, Pete Alonso, and that would never happen, you know what I mean? So it would take something of that magnitude. So Hater is good. But I don't think we'll be seeing him in a Met uniform uh, at least this year. How but about this? We sweep them, make them even worse, make get them out of the picture, and then say, we trade for him. Wait, say we could sweep them, but then if the uh, Cardinals lose, then they're still sitting. How a about half end of out. July? They're out of the race, and we just get Hater. How about that? I would be all for that. What if I told you? Uh oh, and that was a seductive voice. This, My heart's there. Wow. This, well, this is this this is a very <laughs> seductive question. If I told you right now that you had to trade Francisco Alvarez for Josh Hader, but it guaranteed you a World Series championship this year, would you do it? Uh, I mean, can you say that? Can you say it guaranteed a World Series championship? He just said guaranteed, guaranteed. a World Series championship. I'm, what do you mean, can he say it? He I'm essentially it. trading you Francisco Alvarez for a championship this year. Are you doing it? I don't think I do. I just hope you win a championship with the guys you got and just don't write it off. Hayter's got one year of arbitration left, so you got one year control under him. He's essentially will be your setup man, I would assume, this year, the rest of this year and next year. I think Alvarez might be too steep because the, the Mets catcher is a weak spot for this team, and and you don't want to let that kind of power bat, maybe the next Mike Piazza, you know, the Spanish Mike Piazza, go away from us. I think that's too steep, Figgy. I, I think Beatty and even Vientos, Mauricio, either of those fine, uh, but catcher is such a tough position to have a franchise-like player like he could be. Yeah, I, I'd package anything else that they wanted, but there's no chance that I'm, I'm including Alvarez in anything of that nature. I, I just think as good as Hater is, relievers are volatile. You know, you'll have one great year. One Look at, uh, how's Aaron Loop doing, by the way? He's been bad, yeah. How's Aaron Loop doing? That I ended mean, up working out. Not that the Mets relievers have been much better, but. Right, but I mean, I, I just think that's it. Like, there's going to be a point in time where all of a sudden it, it, it's either an injury or it's either, you know, the game catches up to him. I mean, Sean Doolittle was one of the top closers in the game, throwing nothing but a fastball, and it was only like 92 to 94 miles an hour. It wasn't a hater-type fastball, which is 97-plus. But everybody figured out, wait a minute, this guy doesn't actually throw anything else but a fastball and he throws it at the top of the zone which is normally a ball why don't we just take it for a little while until he brings the ball down then he started bringing the ball down he started getting hit so I don't think that's even a, a thought in my mind to uh, make that trade and but uh, the other pieces now you're very comfortable with the guys that you have in Met uniforms I don't think that's something that I would entertain well the Mets will have to face Hater unless they just win every game and don't have to face him and hopefully don't go to the ninth inning down because then it's pretty much a loss 7-7-7 seven, 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 and then Marlon on 7-4, and then don't forget 140 on Sunday, because I'll show up two hours early, not realizing it's not a 110 start again, and it'll start with the Brewers, who Figgy played for in one season in 2002. Wasn't very good. 1-7, 5.03, but you did have your most innings pitch, most games for one team. 2010, you were with two teams, the Phillies and Astros, but you did for one team have your most games in that season 2002 with the Brewers. So coming up next on Amazing But True, we'll get Figgy Fable on his time in the land of the cheese. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. All right, Figgy, 2002 with the Brewers. We're back in Amazing But True here. You had a okay season. How about I just say that? I'll, <laughs> I'll be nice to you. Tell us a Figgy Fable from your year 
in Milwaukee. All right, let's start out from the very beginning. I was the 26th man on the Philadelphia Phillies roster, brought into the office and told, hey, you're not making the team. We're going to try and sneak you through waivers. They put me on waivers. So instead of going on the plane to Atlanta to open up the season, I went home to Philadelphia with all the rest of the fans who left. And I was sitting coach with all of them. And they're all like, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to get the rest of my stuff so I can meet the team. I'm lying my ass off. Anyway, I sit at home and I'm watching opening day from my couch and going, wow, I can't believe I made this team. But I didn't make this team. And three days later, I get picked up by the Milwaukee Brewers. I fly into Milwaukee and do my press conference. Welcome to Milwaukee, blah, 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 blah. I pitch against the Diamondbacks, who were my first team. Uh, I had a scoreless eighth inning. And then I think I pitched two of the first three games I was there. And then they said, hey, you're going to start on Saturday. I was like, oh, okay, where are we? San Francisco. And of course, who do you have to face? Barry Bonds. So needless to say, Barry Bonds, I think, passed uh, Mickey Mantle on the all-time list against me. It was a home run that I swore. What's the name of it? Jeffrey Mayer, the, the kid who leaned over and mm-hmm. took the home run. A guy, Jeffrey Mayer, me, and I'm looking at the umpire, and I'm pointing, and he goes, and he points at the scoreboard where it says that, you know, Bonds had just passed uh, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> and he's like, it ain't coming back, kid. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Before replay. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. That definitely didn't get out. But anyway, yeah, facing Barry Bonds right out the shoot. Wait, uh, it was just homer to pass who? It was either it was either Lou Gehrig or it was Maris or it was one of the big Yankees. It was one of the big Yankees right. on the all time list. It was the year Hearts that he looked. Yeah, check it out. So anyway, I'm um, going through Milwaukee. So I had an injury during batting practice. I was you know racing across the outfield to catch a fly ball. Alex Ochoa hits a ball in the gap. I turned my ankle on the on the um, warning track in Cincinnati. I get carted off. X-ray is negative inside the um, clubhouse. I get sent home from the road trip just to not have to go to Chicago because it's such a small clubhouse. They say, I'm supposed to be off my leg for a month. The team says, we can't afford that. We don't want to call anybody up or put anybody on the roster, so you're going to be activated in two weeks. So be better in two weeks. That's what they said. I literally had my leg wrapped almost like a soft cast, and I was pitched like that for the rest of the season, where through four innings, once it went numb, it was very tough to feel your legs and push off and stuff. So that's why my numbers suffered. Uh, excuses, excuses. No, and then I get then I, then I I give you the best one. No, the best one. This is the well, way. Well, you made 11 starts that year. Here's so the, the rest, I guess, came out of relief. It came out of relief. So the, the, the way to end it was... We get to the end of the season, right? And we're struggling as a team, Milwaukee Brewers. And they're like, hey, we're going to give you a chance to come back here. We know you were injured most of the year and, and you know, you you sucked it up. You did what, you know, you need to do. I said, appreciate that. When we get to spring training, actually, you're going to fight for a job. Cool. Four days left in the season. They fired the GM and hired a new GM. John Hart comes in, legitimately grabs a roster and says, get rid of these four guys. My name was one of them. Uh, I had, I had, I spent the whole year in the big leagues with them. I wonder who the other three were. I remembered three of them. Uh, Ryan Christensen was one of them. It was uh, like the 16th president. It it was, it was guys. (laughs) It was a bunch of guys who like had a little bit of time combined. They didn't have as much time as I did in the big leagues. And here I was as a starter reliever and I, I did fairly well, but I also took my lumps literally on your ankle. Uh, uh, No, on everything else too. My neck from the whiplash from the home runs. I had, I think I gave up 18 that year. Yeah, That was the most by a mile that you gave up. I had 10 in 10 straight, I had one in, in 10 straight games, 10 solo shots in 10 straight games. It, it was a record at the time. You just liked fans getting souvenirs. Uh, you, were, you, know, you were nice. I, I was a man fans. of the people, yeah. a man of the people. But anyway, so Hart comes in. <laughs> so they send a letter to me in the off season and they address it to Nelson Figueroa, uh, my address in Brookland, <laughs> Brookland, New York. Brooklyn. Wait, it, it, it says as per conversation between the GM and your agent, you have elected free agency. The guy that they had on the piece of paper was not my agent. So they spoke to someone who wasn't my agent and said that I declared free agency. 
I had never even spoken to them. And I tried to call them. No one would answer the phone. He wouldn't get back to me. And they released me at the end of 2002. And then I wound up signing with the Pirates. But it's the, one of the biggest mysteries that I've ever had in my life. Wow. Can uh, we get to the bottom of this? Uh, there is no getting to Maybe the bottom next of it. Week. We'll have to, to make some calls. So we need to call John Hart. Uh, is that the guy? Uh, John Hart. alive? Let's he, see. Let's make sure he's alive. alive. Yes, he's alive. <laughs> Before we talk about him. Yes, he's alive. But yeah, it was it was a, a, a huge to do because it was not my agent. John Henry Hardy, seventy three from Tampa. All right, we'll get his information. Also <laughs> found out it was career number five seventy four for Barry Bonds, uh, and he passed Harmon Killebrew. Harmon Killebrew. Oh, and and but Figgy, do, do you also remember giving up? That was the second home run he gave up to Barry Bonds. Yes, the first one was the year before. They're in the seventy three. Yeah, there you go. Yep, and I struck him out though. Yep. So well, that, that doesn't matter. Why does that not matter? <laughs> See, you always want to talk about the bad. You never want to talk about Which the good. Which number of the seventy three was it? Number uh, seventy three. Nine, I believe, something of that nature. Yeah. Well, you gave up a lot of souvenirs to the fans. <laughs> it was very nice of you. <laughs> poor John Hart. No, poor, I mean, he's not a very nice man, it seems. So. <laughs> well, that, that'll that be the long mystery. 47. 47th. All right, there's our research. There was a baseball staff. card, actually, that they made, and they had a quote from me during that streak. So everybody, every I think they had 73 home runs, and they had something about each one of the home runs. Something about those guys with H-A-R-T in their last name, uh, either with the S or without. Something suspect about that. <laughs> well... H-A-R-T-S, Andrew Hartz will try and stump the baldy on Amazing But True. Next. Pollo a la Parmigiana. All right, Andrew Hartz tried. He tried his best to stump me and didn't on any non-mascot-related trivia questions about this franchise. So on Amazing But True, Hartz will take take two of trying to stump the baldy. Take it away, Hartz. All right. So at your request, there's no questions that feature mascots. Okay. But um, What about ascots? There may be an ascot question. <laughs> that that could be a bonus question. Jake, with his fashion sense, he may know some stuff. What about Prescott? Dak Prescott. <laughs> okay, can we stay focused? <laughs> stay on, on, on topic. All, right. All right, we'll start with, with an easy one. At least I think it's an easy one. God. When the Mets hosted the 2013 All-Star Game, what Mets were on the NL squad? Well, Matt Harvey started the game. Okay. Uh, else was on that damn team? David Wright. Okay. There were two. Okay, so Harvey and Wright. There you go. Okay. You got it. There you go. See, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> one for one. Okay, let's go with this one. Who oh, was the Mets is. starting pitcher for their first game at City Field? Not Nelson Figueroa. He was the last of the are first we, are season. We talking, are we talking about the exhibition game? No, no. We're talking or? about the first ever did you official Mets game? game. I think I did. Did you? Oh, that's a good trivia stat. First game. Part of me wants to say Bartolo Colon, but that's not. This is 2009. Okay. Let me, Mike Pelfrey. You got it. Yes. Yeah, there wow. you go. There you go. I'm the biggest fan on the planet. <laughs> two for two. Two for two. I remember that one. It was a night game, too. They opened at night for to open the season. Mike Pelfrey, who I was once ran into in an elevator to in Port St. Lucie at the, at the hotel during spring training, and he made me feel short. All right, two for two. All right, so now here's your care. Nelson Figueroa question. Oh, boy. Nelson pitched in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. What position did the team finish in? <sighs> Biggie smiling like. <laughs> I don't think they won it. They didn't win it. I think they were second place. Silver medal. You got it. Yes. <laughs> He's on fire. He's on fire. What is that? Three or four? That's three. three. How many more do we got? Three. <laughs> Are you panicking? Stressing. Are you panicking? My cholesterol's rising. <laughs> All right. I knew it. I knew you had a medal, but it wasn't gold. So yes. there you go. All right. Here's your next one. What Mets player holds the franchise record for highest batting average in a season? It is Piazza. Is that your answer? 
You're making me question it. He's I, I just, no, no, no. It's Jose Reyes because he had the batting title. That is incorrect. John Olerud. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so, what, what did he? What was the average? It was three fifty four. I want to say in ninety nine. I had it before. I should have put it in with a question, but it was uh, it, it was like three fifty something. Three fifty four in nineteen ninety eight. Wow. I thought it'd be Reyes when he had that 331 year or whatever, well, and Terry pulled him out. 330 is less than 350. Terry didn't pull yeah. him out. Jose Reyes wanted out. Let's be real. Yeah. He didn't want to lose the batting title. Exactly. All right. You got me on one. Three right. for four. Here's your last Still question. Still a C student. That's not terrible. Here's the last question today. So this is for my B, which is what I got in school mostly. 3.0. There you go. Need this. this. Edwin Diaz recorded his 78th save as a Met last night. There are eight other Mets pitchers, closers, if you will, that have more saves than him. I'm not going to ask you to name all eight of them, but give me six of them. Six closers in their career, not just a Mets uniform. No, no, no. Uh, Mets. Mets. Mets that have the most saves in franchise history. More saves than 78. Okay. 76. 76. John Franco. Mm-hmm. That's one. Okay. Armando Benitez. Mm-hmm. That's two. Okay. Come on. Knock this out already. Billy Wagner. That's three. <sighs> Wasn't sure if he had that all in a Mets uniform. Billy Wagner had 101. K Rod. That's four. Ooh. I need two more. Just eked at 83. He's next uh, on the list. Um come on. Tug McGraw. Yep. That's five. Oh one more. You got three. Freak. One of three. That's all you need. All right. So I did two thousand. I did K Rod. I did Franco. 86 team, I don't think, had anyone that had that many. Oh, I need a clue, right I think. I, who Am I missing an obvious I'm, one? I'm yes. Not, you're missing super, three obvious super ones. Super obvious. Three, three obvious. obvious. All three one of them are pretty One obvious. of them is super obvious okay. because... Two of them are super obvious, yeah, quite frankly, yeah, if yeah. you think about Throwback it. Throwback names. No. Okay, newer. Okay. Um, no. Middle age. I'm not telling you which. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> <laughs> I said Franco. Who am... K-Rod, who am I missing? Wasn't... Anyone from 86, I don't think. Who am I forgetting? You're right. It wasn't anyone from 86. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Who is... I'm going to lose... I'm going to get this because if I don't, I'm going to jump off the oh, ninth let, floor let of this building. The, the, so there wasn't one guy from 86. Don't say it yet. Don't give it to I me. I won't. No, no. I'm missing the, three. Uh, once you don't get... All in a Mets uniform. Yeah. All in a Mets uniform. I and said Tug. Who am I missing? And there's two that are glaringly Jesus. obvious. Wagner. One of them more so than one of them more so than anybody on the '86 team. So 15. Definitely not one guy on '86. I'm gonna have to put a timer on this, Jake. I can tell you who it's not. It's not Randy Myers. It's not Bobby Parnell. Why am I forgetting? Skip Lockwood is not the Sid name. Fernandez. Sid Fernandez was not a closer. Not a closer. That, that wasn't a guess. Um, <laughs> Why am I forgetting? Why I don't the two thousand fifteen I even said was five, four, three, two. I'm just gonna guess one. Braden Looper. Negative. No. Hold on a second. Are you Billy kidding me? The guy had fifty three saves in one season for the Mets, and you don't think he got more than seventy six in his career? Who? The guy had fifty three saves in one season on twenty fifteen team. I just blanking. Familia. Oh my. Uh, you got to be. And then, and then wait. And then wait, who, it gets who, better. Who, who, wait, what did I say? Forget, what, Jake, what, listen carefully. What did I say? That's just a brain fart. What, That's just wait, from the weekend. Wait, a wait, long weekend. Of, wait for it. Wait for I, it. What did oh I say? It wasn't one guy on the 86 team. It was both the guys on the 86 team. 
Orozco and McDowell. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? That he's out. That, that is an epic, he's out. That is a meltdown and a half. So I'd like well, to thank you guys. That, that's recent. That was just, that's just a pure brain. I, I like. I to, obviously know that. That is just my brain. Oh, obviously, he knows that. Foggy. Obviously, my oh, brain yeah. is just not functioning I, on this Monday. I'd like to it's thank you all day. for this listening. One, don't have the coffee. I can't guess Jared's familiar. Orozco's <laughs> bad. What was the other the one? Man Orozco had, and who? McDowell. 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 See, that was yeah. That one I'm the less mad about. Familia, I'm furious, and Roscoe is un- inexcusable. Inexcusable. Seriously, face the corner for the rest of the Face the corner. I, I said Braden Looper over Braden Jared Looper familiar. of a Familia. He had 53 saves in one season. If I'm not on next week's show, it's because I died. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing. We'll close out Amazing But True next. Uh, Please tell me you still had 199 after you bought that one. All right, Figgy, somehow I have air left to finish this show after that pathetic display by me that I will not have sleep because of, but that says goodnight to episode 108 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Hey, we just went ahead of Jesse Orozco. He had 107 oh saves. Oh, my so God. How? He got the last out. He was the 86 name I was thinking of. <laughs> Thanks to you, Jake, for... <laughs> Providing us with laughs. And Andrew Hartz, great questions and for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify and give us a follow on Twitter at Amazing But True. I want to say something to close the show out, but I I, have, I, I don't know what I have left in the tank. Um, <laughs> I'm just heartbroken right now. Uh, promotions this weekend. Pride Night Fanny Pack on Friday. There's an NYM t-shirt Saturday. And then Sunday is a pretty crappy looking <laughs> hat giveaway, a cap. So uh, you could care less about that. But I will definitely get the Pride Night Fanny Pack for Nelson Figueroa. Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We'll return next Monday. So the Mets play Monday at 1 p.m. So the hope is to go to the game, maybe do a post-game show, maybe at Ebbs. At the lounge there. We'll see if we can arrange that. But uh, look for us next Monday. If you're going to the game, if you either a degenerate, your school year's over, uh, you don't work Mondays, you're playing hooky, whatever the reason is that you're at a 1 p.m. game on a Monday on June 20th, we hope to see you there, and then we'll do some stuff with the Ferry Hawks next week as well. Figgy, enjoy the games against the Brewers. We'll see you at City Field. Enjoy the games against the Marlins. And as always, let's, let's go, go Mets. Still mad about Orozco and Familia. In the words of the great philosopher French Montana, don't panic.